With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lots to get to on the BWI live show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Some interesting things happened over the weekend, both on the field and off the field. I don't know where it's technically happening, but we learned about it on Twitter. Sean Clifford starting his own NIL representation company. And of course, we're getting into basketball today on the BWI live show. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Your questions coming up as well throughout the show. If you've got something you want to talk about, a topic, a conversation you want us to discuss, or if you want uh, to get on the show and get your opinions heard. All that is fair game on the BWI live show. This is your chance to interact with us here uh, at Blue White Illustrated. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll be joined quickly by our staff and our excellent reporters. But first, I just want to say, if you are watching the show, a couple of things are super helpful. The first thing is like the video because we do a great job here. We want to make sure that people know that and we want to grow the community here on the live show to get in a more engaged conversation with you. Second thing, on top of that, if you feel like it, share the video. And thirdly, if you're feeling generous to help support the channel, Super Chats are enabled. So you can always donate to the channel and we very much appreciate that. Now let's meet our panelists for today. As always, senior editor Nate Bauer joins the show. He is here. He is stunning. And uh, surprise, we're going to be talking about Jalen Reed today, aren't we, Nate? Love it. Let's talk about <laughs> Jalen Reed and Anthony Poindexter. Let's do it all, T. Frank. All right. Let's see what I accidentally left up on Dave Eckert's slide. Yes. All right. That's an engineering, <laughs> engineering win for today. We just have Dave in his lovely face. Dave, you ready to go today? Don't forget the fridge, T. Frank. The fridge is here, too. <laughs> oh, man. it's Thank you for making that joke because I wanted that joke to be made, but I can't be the one that's always making it. So thank you very much. And uh, Night Raven's back with us. It's been a little bit. He says, evening, peeps. Glad to be finally able to watch live. So uh, we are international once again. That's how far this show reaches. So thanks for joining us today, Night Raven, or evening, I should say, where you are. Um, so a lot of, to get to here on the BWI live show. And one thing I didn't mention, Nate, is that on top of all the things that we have to uh, talk about, Penn State also got to commit on Friday. Oh, my goodness. And he's a quarterback. And so, a quarterback. So there are millions of things. I mean, honestly, you got to wonder if he's going to compete for the starting job this fall. This fall. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, your thoughts on the quarterback situation. I want to know if Sean Clifford is going to represent him with his NIL agency firm thing. Oh, my goodness. The jokes. 
I so that's not even a joke. I, I'm I'm curious as to how that plays out. Some of that stuff that it was in Pete Thamel's article over at ESPN, we're going to be getting into in just a little bit. But Marcus Stokes, a three-star quarterback, according to On Three Commits, the Nittany Lions on Friday, and uh, so that means I didn't have a weekend, but I do mm. have a lot of information to share with you. T. Does that Frank. mean you weren't stoked about it, T. Frank? What's that? Oh no, it was. It's fine. I don't have a life. That's the thing. It's just. It's no. just the pun. I. It, there was no point to be made there. I just wanted to say the bad pun. I'm sorry. Dave, that went right over everything. my head. I. I totally whiffed on that. But well done. Well done. T. Frank. T. Frank. What does the huddle say? Let's get to it. Huddle. Huddle. No, 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 no. We go in and we watch the full game footage. I go and I see the dirty parts that nobody wants us to see. And uh, and we get the the full picture of what a player is on T. Frank's film room, which is coming up in just a couple hours. So uh, I'm panicking because we've got to get that out as well today on top of the daily edition coming out at like six. So uh, the huddle tape and the film, I should say, the full game footage are very similar. Marcus Stokes, I think, is a really talented football player with a there's just a lot. So there's sometimes you don't have a lot of film and sometimes you have all of the film. And I had a fire hose of information about Marcus Stokes. I got a good picture of him. And it is a very good one for Penn State. They get another quality prospect in Marcus Stokes coming in for the Nittany Lions. Um kind of the way, just as a as a broad overview to where he is. He is not ranked currently by on three as far as his uh, overall class rank and basically the uh, on 300 came out so it means he did not make the 300 best players in the country he is I think in the 18 to 24 range at the quarterback position Um, and then Florida is a stacked state so he's lower down there but do not let that deceive you because uh, talking to Charles Power a couple of things that he and who does our rankings when he talks about quarterbacks, he treats it like the NFL draft because it's the only other time you rank quarterbacks and you really analyze their skill set. So he's focused a lot on physical tools, size, dimension, things like that. And Marcus Stokes at 6'1 and a half, 185, 190, uh, somewhere in there, does not fit those prototypical criteria. But when you dig into the game footage, Marcus was a a very impressive prospect. And even Charles Power, even though he was not ranked, thinks very highly of him after the comments he made uh, on Friday or Saturday when Ryan Snyder spoke to him. So a good prospect. I think we'll see him rise up recruiting boards over the next six months. T. Frank, is he is he the unranked Drew Alar becoming the uh, top five quarterback or is he Mm. the Bo Prabula under the radar scrappy guy who because it's only one little engine yeah no it can't be either one so 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 he's he's somewhere in the middle he's somewhere in the middle in terms of physical skill arm talent and uh size so from an athletic standpoint he's a very athletic football player uh great straight line speed I'd say he's faster than either of those guys um, great pocket movement as well. Great pocket mobility, escapability. He's thinner than either of them, obviously, uh, at 190 pounds. But the thing I would say about Stokes, and he's not going to be probably a top five passer 
because he doesn't have those dimensions. He doesn't have the 6'5 frame. He's not 230 pounds. And seeing Drew Aller in person, you see just how he looks like an NFL quarterback. Like he's got the prototype dimensions that you look for at every level of, of, of ranking and positional skills. Marcus Stokes reminds me a little bit physically of like a Johnny Manziel type. He's bigger than that because he's taller than that. Um, but he's got some... He's got some really unique abilities, and and I'll save some, most of this stuff for for the uh, for the film evaluation on T Frank's film room. But his deep ball accuracy, I think that's the common thread I see between all three of these players. Is that Mike Yurcich wants somebody that can throw the ball down the field accurately into tight windows, and all three of these guys express that ability in one way or another. The difference is Marcus Stokes, I think, is a more mobile passer. He has some crazy throws that we'll get into later on the uh, on the uh, on the film room. Sounds great. I'm yeah. in. Yeah, I'll watch. How long yeah. is it, T. Frank? I mean, <sighs> is, what kind of an investment in my day is this? So normally, I try to keep the film room to about 12 minutes. You know, um, so I'll shoot for that. But quarterbacks can go anywhere from 15 to 20. Because here's the thing: his offense, and that's. That's kind of where you have to start is what is being asked of the passer in the ecosystem in which he's he's operating, because that determines a lot of the throws he makes. And that determines some of the evaluation of his decision making and is like his next level intelligence and the Nice offense. And I hope it's Nice uh, in Florida. It seems like Nice. It That's does. Go. Yeah, it's pretty college level. So so that means two things. First off, it implements a lot of different theories and a lot of different offensive philosophies from RPO to read option. There's a lot of stuff Penn State runs in their offense. Um, and then secondarily, a lot of college offenses supplement their run game with the swing passes and the screens and the RPOs. So there's not a lot of decisions being made there. But he does have to throw the ball accurately every single time. So that's an evaluation, too, of how is his quick game footwork? How is his RPO footwork? That's what I'm saying. There's a fire hose of information because he's exposed to a lot of different things in the offense. So just getting into that and talking about that is its own conversation. And then what are his physical skills and how he operates in those situations? And, and, and again... Very impressed. I think this is a future starter at the college football level. I, I don't think that there's any doubt that he's um, mentally up to the task. That's another common thread between all three of these guys is I see they're advanced for the high school level and their football intelligence has that, um, I hate saying this, but the it factor. You know, their decision-making under pressure is great. They consistently make good decisions, and I see that with Marcus Stokes as well. Sounds sounds like a guy who can win a couple of national championships to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I compare him to one future Hall of Famer at some point. So sure, you know, let's all get into the hyperbole. We're going to talk about Zane Durant today, so we're going to be referencing uh, <laughs> the, the Zane train of hype. It has <laughs> left the station. Yes. Let's. Are, go. are we? Are we allowed? To use Zane Train in a Penn State context for people who aren't Zane Rutherford is that legal? I didn't know that. I didn't know that, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, is there a trademark there, Nate? Who's Who's Zane Rutherford? Oh what my does he God. do? I'm kidding. 
<laughs> Sorry, I was. I don't I, even I, like wrestling, <laughs> and I had that reference in the back pocket. I Come feel on. like there was some sort of like thing that was going to be thrown at the TV, and I didn't know that I, if I had to duck or not. You know the the funniest the funniest thing is is my wife will come downstairs, you know, when they have these Friday night matches that are on the Big Ten Network, and I'll have wrestling. Like, I'll be watching Penn State wrestling, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, you hate wrestling. I'm like, yeah, but it is kind of entertaining. I, yeah. I'll, I'll watch it. I, I put the national championship on. It was fun. They're good. The, so exciting things are exciting, right? And nothing draws a crowd like a great crowd. And yeah, like there, there's dynamic qualities to wrestling that make it very exciting, especially uh, when you get into those. Even baseball is exciting at times. Like if you get into playoff baseball, and I'm Just, not a baseball okay. fan. Relax, come on. Let's don't come get carried. Oh wait, 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 wait. You guys are allowed to say whatever you want about wrestling. Which, by the way, I also don't follow. I'm not. I'm not trying. To, but like, then baseball is off limits. That's what we're doing today. Look, I watched. Buddy, like, I watched. I was. I watched, I watched nine hours, hours of golf. Of <laughs> yeah, I, I watched <laughs> golf all day yesterday. So um, yeah, I have no room to talk. We we Ryan uh, Ryan and I covered that on the Friday show, talking about you and and how I just think that watching other adults play a very slow game like golf doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like that 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 kind of is like watching. And all these things are table uh, are are televised, but like that's like watching somebody play ping pong or foosball to me right? i mean that's incredibly exciting too <laughs> i uh I, I i took a visit to the bauer household on saturday and Ooh, uh a watch I, party? I entered no a uh my car broke down and i needed rescuing <laughs> party um but i walked in and there is nate bauer on the couch child in hand with the masters on and it was picturesque it was exactly what you thought nate bauer would be doing on a saturday morning the good which, news, which, the good news is, Dave, that uh, you've got your fire extinguisher with you, according to Night Raven. This is so, true. so you're you're right, safe right. from anything that happens in the house. Now, anything <laughs> that happens in your car apparently is is just going to be a little bit of unpredictable nightmare stuff. Zach, with us today. Zach, always glad to have you here. Hope we're having a great Monday. Hope you're having a great Monday as well. Um, and then we're going to be getting into some of this with Nick in just a little bit. But I just wanted to let you know, Nick, we do see that. Um, Depends on how tall you are, Nick. Mm-hmm. We'll get into some offensive line conversation today. Uh, What's a reach like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> uh, but Penn State held their first scrimmage of the season on Friday, and our Nate Bauer, insider, editor, reporter extraordinaire, has some information for us. You would have had this stuff, by the way, way sooner than a live show. We're going to give you some of the tidbits. We're going to give you some of the interesting things, but. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just $1. The link is in the description of this video. So scroll down past the words. Scroll down. You see the first one. It says join all bold caps letters. Click on that link. And uh, I believe at the end of this month, the $1 deal expires. So get in now. What? 12 months of access for $1. That's what Ryan told me. And, and Ryan is more plugged in than I am. I just put my head down and work. I don't talk to important people. <laughs> so anyway, Sign up. Sign yeah, up for a dollar. Don't worry about it. You would have had this information from Nate uh, 72 hours ago. So, Nate, I've stalled long enough. Yeah, yeah. What I are have the, to talk about it. What I? are the big points you want to get into as far as what you heard about the scrimmage that was closed to the media and that was held at Beaver Stadium? 
Or was uh, it not able to be held at Beaver Stadium? It was not able to be held at Beaver Stadium. So they had a, a 6 o'clock start time on Friday. And predictably, as T. Frank, you and I have discussed many times, it was raining here in State College. So they had to move it inside to Haluba Hall. And I, I'm just going to do the same disclaimer that I did in the notes package that I put together, which is just, this is, this is, uh, presented and supposed to be consumed by you, the viewer, as a one-off, right? Like, th these are just impressions from people who were able to see it, um, and so it should should all be taken uh, with a massive truckload of salt to not overplay the hand, which all leads me to say that Zane Durant stood out and had a great day. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was he was really good, um, very impressive again on Friday night, and this is just a story that I, I think if we were looking T Frank before the start of the spring for this year's Kalen King, the the we found the him. Jury, yeah, the jury has come back with an answer, and the verdict is in. It is Zane Durant. So uh, made a, made a few nice plays. You know, uh, details are a little bit sketchy on things like these, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, um, you're working with different quarterbacks. You've got different offensive line, right? Like the offensive line continues to be a health, right? Like concern, I think, for right. the program. None of this is, none of this, the, the, the nice thing about hearing practice or scrimmage feedback is when it aligns nicely with things that have already been said yep and this was very much the case uh in terms of the feedback that i got on friday night uh so contributor flashing i guess that's the, that's the thing is like what yeah. is the level here that we should expect because the blue white game coming up in about 12 days right so on the 23rd yeah. um what's the level of participation for some of these freshmen that we might expect based on, you know, flashing, showing good signs, all of those things, because it, it that can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what form the blue white game takes, right? We, we've already talked about this, but certainly there's some rumbling that the, the game itself could take on a different form. Mm -hmm. And so, while I would expect there to be plenty of opportunities for a Zane Durant, right, to 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 be able to play um, in the blue white game and get some good reps, uh, you know, against who? Like that's if if there are if you can count on uh, one and a half hands, right? The the number of healthy like bodies, not not scholarship guys, bodies that they have on the offensive line that are healthy and can play in that type of an environment then you know i think it raises some questions as to to what the uh what they're able to do right, right. like in terms of an actual blue white now, game that is we'll have to get a little bit further clarification on what that means because and and this is something that you and i talked about on thursday and i think set off some alarm bells for fans and and people on the blue white illustrated message board that talked to us of okay what does that mean exactly cuz i i went out and watched a couple of other spring games nc state was not tackling to the ground and you're not going to go full pass rush against your starting quarterback so yep. i guess do you have anything in mind i don't i don't want to make you speculate but yeah, uh, I don't dave know. dave i want to come over to you for a little bit here what would you expect kind of in this modern era of load management in the nba 
and spring football, reducing injuries, all that thing. How would you expect this kind of to, to play out? Yeah, I, I would expect it to play out in a way that does not put anybody at risk because that's always been the approach that James Franklin has taken. And I think, you know, again, this is just my interpretation. This isn't based on reporting or anything, but for James Franklin to kind of come out and like get out ahead of it and say like, Hey, we might not have enough offensive linemen for the blue white game to like be what you typically think of when you think of the blue white game. Like that indicates to me that there is some strong consideration going on for, for altering that. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I would support that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't make sense to get guys hurt. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I, I get it. Like, the blue-white game is great for the community. You know, it's 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 awesome for us. We get to see what's happening. But, like, at the same time, if you're James Franklin, your, your priorities have to be don't get anybody hurt. He yeah. doesn't have to get hurt. And, so. and the uh, the media was able to see, and I know a couple thousand fans were able to see last season, essentially they treated the blue-white game like a practice. And, and there was a scrimmage portion of the practice, but it was largely what the... We at least see part of that each day uh, when we get to go see open availability on Wednesdays, Nate. So uh, coming... coming Back to the offensive line and Nick's comment here. How do I sign up for the O-line for the blue-white game? They need bodies. That's the part, right? So it's not just that you have starters that are returning from injury or that you lack some of the scholarship players because they're not on campus for the fall. It's also they don't have, and this is going to sound wrong, but this is kind of the meaning of they don't have the bodies that absorb the blows that are not the starting five or key backups right so it's not just that they are thin in scholarship players they're just thin in bodies on the offensive line yeah no to 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 begin with right i mean walk-ons and and they've had some some notable walk-ons who have been able to produce and contribute in the program i mean it's just it's just not the number is not at a point where um you know it's it's reasonable frankly (laughs) like they just they just don't have the bodies um so you know i think that it certainly should lead to a a a little bit maybe of consternation right like uh Mm -hmm. pearl clutching hey like this is this is a group that and and again i mean we're talking without details right like we we know that sal wormley isn't ready to be a full go kind of guy um but he is getting reps right like according to james franklin it's just how much how much valuable time is being lost for a group that there is literally no question everyone is you know pointing at as desperately needing those reps yeah Right. right? Like, I mean, it it just, it, it, um, so on the flip side though, the story for sure, So this is, this is the flip side of that argument. Why then isn't this a good thing that these guys are getting as many reps as possible. You can feed them as many situations and, and because you're only working with, you know, if you're talking about the starters and key backups, do they have 10? I mean, I, I'm I'm struggling to think if they do. I think they may have 11 guys that are scholarship a, on the off, offensive line. 11, 11 total offensive linemen all appear to be, to me, appear to be. I'm I'm looking at the roster right now. All okay. appear to be uh, scholarship. They don't okay. have any offensive linemen who are walk-ons on the roster that is currently out. 
And so yeah. my my understanding is it's it's fewer than double digits, T Frank. So, uh <laughs> yeah, with the Better injuries and the guys that are coming back in that situation. Dave, it, and this is something I'm kind of throwing you something just speculative, I guess, here. Is that another area of transferability that you don't have walk on offensive linemen as much anymore? Because we don't pay as much attention to those guys when they leave the roster. We pay attention to guys whose names you know. And I just, I, I genuinely don't know, like, how many has Penn State had in the past and how many, because they have none now. Is that another part of this conversation when it comes to how the roster is built that's changed in the last couple of years? Yeah, well, James Franklin actually addressed that, and he said um, it's basically not impossible, but it's very, very difficult to get walk-on offensive linemen because there just aren't many people walking around the world yeah. with that type of body. Um, so, you know, the ones that are, who are, like, slightly capable, tend to, like, be playing somewhere else, right. you know? There are um, fewer so. preferred walk-ons, right. too. I think that's kind of what right. I was driving at is in gotcha. recruiting yep. – if you're a preferred walk-on at Penn State and it's, hey, come play for the Nittany Lions on the practice squad, you can go to a, a Division II school and, and play. And and that's right. kind of, I think, a shift in the mentality where it was even uh, five, ten years ago to where it is now. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, looking looking at who is coming in and who isn't here, right? Like, it, the, the big one um, is Hunter Norzad, right? Right. Outside of Hunter Norzad, is there anybody who isn't here who is going to, like, start? Probably not. I know I know what James Franklin said about Vega Ione, that he thinks he can contribute early. But, right. again, true freshman. Malik McNeil, probably not. You know, yeah. uh, Drew Shelton, probably not. So, yeah. you know, I mean, is it is it good that these guys aren't here? No. But is it something that I think is, like, they just – they don't have the guys yet. I, I don't really think that's the case. I think they should be able to an extent yeah. to, to, to get some of that work in that we're talking about as a unit minus Hunter Norzad, which obviously hurts them, but yeah, uh, I, you know, they should be can all I, right. Can I just, can I just read the players that they lost from last year? Like these were all guys who walked on senior day. Okay. Uh, Des Holmes gone. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Conagus, I believe, was an offensive lineman. You, you correct me if these sound familiar to you guys. Will Nutson was an mm. offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Miranda, right? Yep. Uh, Anthony uh, Wagon and yep. Eric Wilson yep. and Sheed Walker. Yeah. One, two, like that's seven players. Yeah. <laughs> so and, they and, weren't able to restock that. To, to kind of take the long view of this as well, with Penn State struggling to recruit for about three straight years in, uh, in recruiting, along with what you just described, like you, you get into a situation where you've bottomed out. And that's why Penn State is recruiting up to six players in the class of 2023, most likely when it comes to the Penn State offensive line for the next recruiting class. So these things especially on the offensive line, when you get into a situation where you lack numbers and you aren't getting what you need through the portal, this is where you can find yourself. Like, there, these these things go back and forth and can oscillate at certain positions. Uh, Bradley has a question here. Hey, guys. 
Great show as always. I'm going to read the compliments. I have one question. I have two questions, and we'll get to the first one here. Why not start one of the recruited quarterbacks in Alar Pabula instead of the face of mediocrity? In his words, not mine, Sean Clifford. So, Dave, please answer his question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think my face is pretty mediocre. I kind of want to be the face <laughs> of mediocrity. But, uh, wait, wait, I wait. Mean, if you're the face of something, can you therefore be mediocre? Because you've risen to a level of true. importance that would rise above mediocrity. You're Here really good at being mediocre. That's the only <laughs> thing you're not mediocre about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, look, <laughs> uh, I think that if one of those two guys was at the level at this point in their career where they were better than what Sean Clifford is going to provide for you this fall, then they would start. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I think that's the part of this conversation that the, the, the people who are constantly asking these questions kind of ignore is that like they're just Penn State isn't just attached to this for no reason. Right. right. Penn State wants to win football games. If Penn State thinks that uh, Bo Prabula or Drew, Drew Alar is going to be better than Sean Clifford or Christian Veyu, for that matter. And, and, you know, I think he's an important name to put out there because it seems like he's the number two guy right now. Then they're going to play. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it's it's, it's, it's the, a difficult it's the... question to answer because it's not like there's this I, I, to, to me anyway, it does not seem like there's this hidden reason that Penn State just wants to keep going back and back and back to Sean Clifford. Right. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That Sean Clifford is their best option. He, he follows up with experience. Like, he wants yep. the young guys to get experience. So, I guess, Bradley, the point is Penn State's not going to punt on 2022. They're going to try and no. win football games. So, experience or no experience, they want to win these games. And I would here, here is my biggest pushback on, on this particular conversation. It's the proof of concept that I think Penn State fans are on one extreme side of in this situation of, we believe because these guys are not Sean Clifford, they are the better option. And Penn State historically has said the starting quarterback is the best option because we see all the data, we see all the throws, we believe in this guy, and we've watched him play football. And it's the, I think it's the hesitancy to pull the plug on that and to gamble a little bit that is the, the disconnect here. And I don't fault guys who really want to win and really want to win games uh, trying to work through it with the guy that they've seen win a lot of games. And despite the fact that the last two seasons have not gone well, Sean Clifford was a starting quarterback in 2019 that played well and won games for the university before a massive disruption when it came to 2020 and the COVID situation, the COVID season. So we're not getting into that. We're going to get into my guy, M. Shive, too. I was going to save this for later with this conversation, but he gave us a super chat here, and we're always going to get those on air. 
He says, uh, given NIL is not popular with some fans and a Q- the QB is starting his own agency, which section of Beaver Stadium uh, will have more groans coming for it after the first incomplete pass? Now, where do the alumni sit? They sit in like the, the middle tiers, Nate? Like it's going to be the middle section of the uh, of the established fan base that has around the 50. That's where I'm betting that comes from. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, look, like I, I'm not going to I'm not going to fault fans for feeling some sense of frustration. Right. It, But like it's not Sean's Clifford. It's not Sean Clifford's fault. Um, and, and really, it's not something that Penn State's decision makers, James Franklin, chief among them, are going to listen to. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can groan all you want, yeah. but uh, for for a kid to sh- to show the um, you know the impetus to 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 get together and put this business plan together and try to get this thing off the ground is the type of initiative that you know honestly traditionally Penn State fans have always taken pride in. Like that's a that's a thing that Penn State fans value is bringing something beyond whatever your playing discipline is, right? Like you're, you're the playing field or the sport that you play. So there's so there's that side of things. But in, in terms of groaning from the first incompletion, that was going to happen whether or not this happened, right? Like e- yep. either way, people, people will be dissatisfied with Penn State's quarterback play regardless of what happens this season. And I think, I think that I'm ready to like, say this uh in regards to the to the last question but i i think it's time to start considering the reality that y- you got to put Drew Alar on ice like th- yep. just the very thought of it, it it's yep. not happening it's not going to happen this year it's just not um and everything and maybe- everything we've heard this year is that he is behind the other freshman Bo Perbula which means he's not on his way up to starting. So just but to also, give a perspective of of where it stands right now and the things we've heard to back up our feeling about starting a freshman to begin with. But it, it correct, which is and and I, I mean I just I want to take pains to say this that that should be the expectation. Right? Right? Like he he was not coming to Penn State uh as the savior of the program this season. Um and so I I mean I just I think that that it is it is important um, to 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 start to wrap heads around the notion that it's either Sean Clifford or Christian Bayou this season. That's right. Like unless yep. Yep. there's a transfer out, which I, I have no insight into and no idea about after this spring. But like that's the only thing that would upend that yep. into forcing somebody else to enter into the equation as a possible number two. So here's here's another part of this, and I'm just going to... I'm not picking on you. I just want to bring this up. This is... You can't operate in fear. And I know fans don't have... The, they can do whatever they want, right? But there is this palpable fear of losing something valuable. And my point, and I think all of this is, is like... Drew Aller came into Penn State not expecting to start if he's going to redshirt. Because they have these conversations up front. So, I understand getting a five-star quarterback. I understand the the happiness of that, and then the fear that the portal exists. But you can't operate that way. Like you can't. We go round and round, and we talk about this, and this is going to be the end of this particular discussion 
for today because we got to move on to other things. But living in fear is no way to live, like just as a life thing for me. So I'm not going to give credence to the idea of we can't lose X, we can't lose Nick Singleton, we can't lose this guy. So we got to start him, we got to make these concessions because you, not to make a slippery slope argument, but just don't live that way and you'll be a happier well, person. No, it it doesn't see, like there is one side of this entire conversation that no one seems to be asking about, which is how does Drew feel? How, right. how do his parents feel? Right. Like, so it's it's why not start one of the freshmen? Well, says who? Like, do, do they want that? Is that something that they think is mm -hmm. a a worthwhile endeavor for the start of their career? A lot of these guys, there is one side that is competitive. Absolutely. If you have the opportunity, you want to seize it, you want to take advantage of it. But also, most college football players get to this level understanding and feeling a sense of, uh, I don't know if relief is the right word, but there there is massive upside to having a year to marinate. Like right. it's just for everyone at so many different positions. And so I just, I just think it's so curious that n no one seems to really care, right? Like how, Oh, nay. That's oh, nay. Oh, Oh, fans, not necessarily caring about the individual player and more about the team than the but, winning but and losing. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that individual players feelings or that ind individual players mindset and perspective on their preparedness to enter into that type of an environment is critical to their performance on helping or hurting the right. team. Like those, right. those but things be ready. Are... There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Be it. ready. So that's, that's my point is like when we get into these conversations, I have these conversations about the defensive line. Penn state needs a pass rusher, but if they don't get one in the portal, then there's no excuse. Get sacks. I don't care. Win. That's so we get to that point with a lot of people in this conversation about at you know the the situations that exist. So we need to move on because I want to get more information from you about some of the other things you heard when it came to yeah. uh, the scrimmage because this is the good stuff. I want to make sure people get to today and we get that out for them here on the live show. Jalen Reed had a nice night. Cue up the cue up the photo, T Frank. There it is. Um, there he is. Yeah, and and to be expected, right? I, I mean, I, yep. now, again, you're talking about, um, uh, again, like a controlled scrimmage, one-off, but, uh, you know, you're looking for guys to make plays, and he's a guy who made a handful of them, you know? So uh, I, I think that that was a, a definitely a positive for Penn State on Friday night. The other storyline, and this is something that I wrote about on Friday, is and I, I don't know i mean maybe you guys feel differently than me on this but i think if you read between you know uh the lines a little bit on mike linebacker and you know kind of how it was presented as this open battle and i think that it is i don't think that there's any question that it is a competition between tyler elston and kobe king and that it will remain a competition between yeah. those two through the spring and the summer but my sense right now is is absolutely that Elston is at least somewhat ahead um, in in terms of the the competition. His his preparedness again. I hate to repeat myself, but his preparedness to play the position because there's so much that 
is entailed in that role that having that extra year of experience is absolutely a, a benefit. And so my, my understanding again from Friday night was that he had a nice night as well, seemed to have command of the defense um, and, and made some plays. So, uh, you know, I think that there are definitely some, some reasons for optimism, um, but, you know, you got to let this thing play out and see where it shakes out. So Glenn asks, and I, I think this is a fair response and feeling to the bowl game. Linebacker play was horrible in the bowl game. How did Sutherland Jacobs improve the run defense? They are small for physical Big Ten run games. So the first part is, the I think the defense in general struggled with the run game because there were a bunch of new players at new positions. So, Curtis Jacobs moved over to the will. He has spent a month at that position, maybe. Like, you know, three weeks of practice. Jalen Reed, young, a little bit undersized to start in the Big Ten. That was clear. He put on the weight this offseason. Uh, and then the other guys that played, there were some... There were some guys playing out of position, like, I don't know, defensive end Jesse Lucetta playing Mike Linebacker, which we know historically is not a strength of his. He can do it if he needs to, but him in space is a bad idea. And then I think the other guys played actually reasonably well. Tyler Elsden played well in the game, but you wouldn't know it because the result was the result. Also, Dave, how many physical Big Ten run games are left? Um, is Illinois on the schedule this year? But, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, not that many. I mean, if you think about it, like Michigan's going to do that, right? Yes. That's what Jim Harbaugh is all about. Um, I think, right. Maryland is not Rutgers no. is not, no, they're not. Ohio state is not, they Indiana are not. is not, um, they play so Minnesota Michigan's... this year. Yeah. So there you go. Be, that, There's one. Yep. That's. That's that's really it. You could right? maybe like, put Michigan live. State in that category, but I, they're kind of similar to Ohio State, where they run zone. They just the I wouldn't say that they're overly physical. They're just a team that runs the ball a lot. Yeah, and Kenneth Walker's gone, so yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Um, I, that would not be my primary concern because the good teams don't. Michigan aside the good teams tend not to play that way. The teams that are on Penn State's level you most of the time, um, you better stop the pass because that's how they're going to beat you. So yeah. I think modern college football defenses ask for more athleticism and less bulk from so those guys. This is uh, That's exactly right, but here's my question is that when are we done saying modern linebackers and just saying <laughs> linebackers? It's been this way for 15 mm -hmm. years. Like, it's been going this way for a long time. And maybe it's accelerated in the last five, but it's not like we've been dealing with 247-pound middle linebackers that only play the run for the last 10 years. This is something that started in 2000. I mean, think about the Penn State offense with the, the read option in 2005 through 2008. This has been going on for a long time. So they're not modern. They're just linebackers. Sorry. That's just my stump speech about vernacular now. Because I was but thinking about it with Marcus Stokes, too. Like, he's not a yeah. modern quarterback. He's just a quarterback that runs. Right. But if, if you think about it this way, like, the good teams don't play that way. Again, yeah. I get I get what Michigan does. Right. You know, they had their year last year. Yeah. Ohio State does not play that way. Alabama does not play that way. There's a reason for that. You know, yeah. it... It, it 
playing that way offensively, I think for some programs that are not and probably cannot hope to be on the level of um, uh, an Ohio State or an Alabama or whatever, yeah. you know, that can be a, a way for them to win an occasional game against a, a, a defense that might not be prepared for that type of offense. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, but it's not how you win national championships. Also, it's not the way that even national championship teams that have those elements operate primarily. They can do those things, but then you're talking about prist, almost pristine ideal situations where you have great players at every position because you're at the top of the hill. So there's, uh, and I understand the question about small linebackers and all these things, and maybe there's a new emphasis on it this year because of Manny Diaz and some of the, the situational changes, but this is in no way unique to Penn State. Penn State's been a throwback having three linebackers on the field the last six years. So like that is a perspective that I think we should have. We, we haven't embraced that thought enough that Penn State has been more traditional than other places instead of the other way around. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, How and now they fullbacks? won't. How many fullbacks, T. Frank? Uh, well, you know... Um, Brenton Strange has lined up a fullback quite a bit over his career and is blocked from that position. So, you know, they've got one. Uh, what do you guys want to move on to next? Is there more from the spring game? <laughs> I was letting that Tyler one rest Warren? for a second. I was going to let that one land and then move on. Is there more Tyler from... Tyler uh, Ty- Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a good one. Um, yeah, no, you know, and so, like, this is, this is where we open the can of raging fire and passion but apparently Bo Perbula looked pretty good on Friday night <laughs> I'm gone bye <laughs> yeah yeah no, so look like I I just I think I think quarterback is interesting but I, I mean especially with 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 Alar uh mm-hmm. you know it, it just it that dynamic has not changed that we saw, right? Because I think all of us were a little bit surprised to see Prabula ahead, right? Or I don't even know what ahead means, right? Like when right. you're third and fourth on the depth chart, what what's the difference? Right. Um, and so, you know, it started with Chuck Losey talking about Prabula being physically in a better position, right? Like more right. physically prepared. Um, and, and that being an advantage that he has, and then we've seen Perbula as, you know, kind of taking the third team reps Friday night. My understanding was all the quarterbacks played, all the quarterbacks mm-hmm. had reps, all the quarterbacks, um, you know, got action. So no, I mean, it's, this yeah, also tends it. to happen with guys that are athletic and, and not to pigeonhole Bo Perbula, but you can flash more if you are running the football and darting out of the pocket. If you are, and not that Drew is a statue, and this is, again, an either-or conversation that isn't, you know, we're having some nuance and shades of fact of, like, it's not extremely 100% one or the other, but the more athletic guy that throws on the run and makes some of those uh, clutch-type plays, that is more of the profile of Bo Perbula. But clearly... You know, if you're going to redshirt somebody that has the high-end talent and all those skills, it's not like Drew Aller isn't great in his own thing, but he's going to require some 
maintenance, some some upgrades, some things in his game over time that are going to make him a very, very good player. But out of the box, out of the gate, you can do a little bit more if you're running around, and that's a part of what you do. Which he's, which he is again, like it, it, you just, you don't want to give the wrong impression here. He's completely capable of doing. Yep. <laughs> right. Like exactly that's something that's what the, <laughs> it's also that's a what strength the trajectory of his. is. <laughs> right. That's, that's what the trajectory is, but it's just, it's just not, it's just not right now. And I mean, I'm, I'm a broken record at this point, but it just doesn't happen nationally. Yeah. That's that to me, that is the key is. And this is something that is a drum I've been pounding for the last 12 to 18 months. But just in general, I think that we have a a stark lack of insight into what's happening outside of Penn State. And when I say we, I mean collectively, including yes. the Penn State fan base yep. uh, and including the media who covers this program. There is a lack of understanding at what happens elsewhere. And what happens elsewhere is that freshmen, true freshman quarterbacks don't start the beginning of their true freshman season just yep. does not happen regardless how good you are unless something weird uh or an anomaly takes place yep uh nick actually brought up in the chat he says i believe bryce young and cj stroud all redshirted that's correct yeah so like there's no there's no reason to pull the ripcord that's that's this is kind of the the negative fear-based view of what i'm talking about in these situations of this is going to be a disaster, so pull the ripcord now. You're not allowing for any possibilities of positive development in any area if you're doing that. Which, if that's how you feel, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that you have chosen to self-select out of the positive outcomes that could happen by keeping everything afloat and getting better in some areas. We're getting back in. I'm being sucked back into the quarterback conversation. I will... Not all day. Today. I will not do it today. Zach Kreiser asks, and this is bringing up our next conversation topic here on the BWI live show because we're marching along. This has been a great conversation, guys. We've got about 12 minutes left in the show. Flying through everything today. Zach says, is Sean Clifford's NIL agency for real? Will it attract guys <laughs> to Penn State? I know it's for every college athlete, but will it specifically help Penn State? So which one of you guys wants to set up by explaining what Sean Clifford started on Sunday. Who wants to take the the exposition part of the story here? I, I could get the basics because I think Nate will be better with the details. Okay, um, go for it. Basically, Sean Clifford um, is working with his brother, uh, Liam Clifford, and Penn State defensive tackle, Nias Hawkins. Um, they are launching a company called Limitless NIL, which is essentially a company that acts as like an agency for other college athletes to help them find NIL deals. So, you know, for example, um, in the ESPN story, uh, Jair Brown talks about like being a little bit frustrated by the lack of uh, NIL opportunity that he had. So um, he signed with Clifford's agency and they helped him get some. He's going to have a, a pizza deal at Snap Pizza. <laughs> and it's going to be called the Tig Pie, and there's going to be pineapple on it. And whether or not that's an abomination is up to your personal choice. But, um, that's another argument I'm not getting into today. <laughs> but yeah, that's the basics. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people watching this show probably know what an agent agent is. He's an NIL agent for other college athletes. It's fascinating. It's fascinating, and, and obviously part of the story um, that 
uh, is important for Sean Clifford specifically is that he's taking four credits this fall. So to some of the other questions in the chat, is this going to uh, distract him from playing quarterback? Is this, I, I think that if you're a sixth year senior and you know yourself and you have these players in the NFL do this as well. And not to say that Sean Clifford is an NFL level player, but like there's a balance in life where you're not 100% football all the time, every moment, every second, every waking moment of the day. Without school, he has some more latitude to do some of these things. Now, Nate, when it comes to some of the other interesting details, um, Sean Clifford had a, it said it had $100,000 in NIL deals last season out of the gate. So I think to Zach's point, that information alone kind of tells you it's not like Penn State is so far behind in, in the NIL race that uh, the position of playing starting quarterback at Penn State isn't going to generate revenue kind of on its own. Is that a fair way to put it? Mm, maybe. No, I, tr I, I, mean, I tried. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I, look, like I, I, I'm i trying to be as forthcoming about this as I can. I, th th two things. One, and this is something that you've heard Sandy Barber talk about. I think James Franklin has touched on it. Uh, there is a difference between what is being spoken about publicly and what's happening in real life. Okay. Mm -hmm. In terms of the gravity and the magnitude of the deals, right, that are being signed by these college athletes. So Darren Ravel tweets something and it's, right, the unnamed quarterback is signs with whatever tennis i don't know it doesn't matter but it's like right. millions we're talking about seven figures okay right. now now if you look at what sean clifford is represented as having done last year at a hundred thousand dollars and you compare that to that scale if that scale is real then right. it suggests that sean clifford and the hundred, like, it's just, it's just about context. And so, right. <laughs> yes, a hundred thousand dollars in a space that generated no money the year prior. Right. Yeah. That's significant. Like that's a, that's a big, and we're not even talking about a full year. We're talking about a hundred thousand dollars since last July one. Yep. So that, that is something. However, however, uh, you, you know, look, just being honest, I think that there should be some pause um, among Penn State fans as to what the, how well-formed Penn State's, right? And I'm talking broad community here. Yeah. How well-formed Penn State's NIL infrastructure is. Because if the starting quarterback, I'm not talking about end of the bench guy who yeah. has an idea and wants to implement it. I'm talking about the starting quarterback feels that it's a good idea and that there are frustrations expressed by Tig Brown, who is one of the stars, right? Returning yep. to the team, yep. that this is an avenue to better position them and their earning capabilities. That, that should be that uh, I, to me, that's a little bit problematic. I think that that is that, it, that should generate some cause for concern that it is not more well-formed uh, in terms of these guys being like the whole thing on NIL is being able to walk into a room, be told to tweet something, right. to tweet it and to walk away $6,000 richer. Like that is it. <laughs> that is, yeah. that is what 
the process should be for these guys. And so that is not, uh, you know, I mean, absolutely good for Sean Clifford, but we'll see how this goes. I'm not going to ask you any more of these questions. I'm just going to pull the string and let you go when it comes to NIL. Because, I don't know, maybe it's just the fact that, like, $100,000 is still a lot to me. I forgot that we are now entering the world of eh, maybe a little bit closer to NFL money when it comes to some of these players at some of these places. Uh, And then when you factor in recruiting. Yeah, I don't don't know about NFL money, but there's... Six figures is getting close to, like, uh, you know, NFL money. And for Sean Clifford to make $100,000, and that is according to Pete Thamel in the story, so we're, we're reporting, that's been reported. I mean, the the minimum salary in the NFL, I think, is, like, half a million. So you're not far off when it comes to that. Now, starting money is different than the money on the... Now we're on the same scale, is what I'm saying. He needed He needed an amazing idea. And presumably a lot of work to get that done, right? Like this is a really yeah. creative and awesome idea from Sean Clifford. Whereas that dude at Tennessee got millions of dollars to exist, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like that that part of it I think is being like underemphasized. Like here is a guy who had a phenomenal business idea. And he is arguably Penn State's most recognizable name, and he's only getting a fraction of what kids are getting at SEC schools to, as Nate said, send a tweet or post a TikTok. So yeah, it's I don't know. I think yeah, that- and he's he has been he for for what it's worth, uh, and I, I don't think that this is really uh, debatable. He he has been the most proactive in the space yeah. among mm-hmm. any of Penn State's athletes. That's across all the you know the entire spectrum so like sean clifford has worked he has done uh autograph signings partnerships he he has he has used all and the, a lot of it some of it has gone to charity work mm-hmm. right like the, i mean he 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 is a thoughtful guy who is doing thoughtful things and is working at it i, I just like it's it's this balance between Hey, praising the initiative and the ability to 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 try to put this in action versus, uh, but there's like a pessimistic side of, hey, I'm if I'm looking at this from the outside and I'm comparing it to other situations and what other people are doing nationally, again, nationally, uh, I'm, I'm just I'm not sure, and so I think that that's uh, a a a story that is to be written. Here I am once again going with the power of positivity and looking on the bright side. And I'm ruining it. No, it was misapplied this time is what I'm saying is it was very much misapplied. I think you have a very uh, more evidence to the contrary of the situation. And uh, we have about three minutes left on the show today. So, Dave, as always, the, the Matt Damon <laughs> segment about basketball. What do we got this week as far as portal information and where things stand with the Nittany Lions hoops? Yeah, so Penn State is going to have a uh, a transfer on campus on Friday. That's when that's expected to take place. Uh, Rajul Diggins, he's a guard from UConn. Um, If you're from Philly, you follow high school hoops in Philly at all, you probably recognize the name. He is the all-time leading scorer at Archbishop Wood in Philly. Um, So, yeah, he was a four-star prospect at a high school. 
Um, I think trying to find the exact uh, ranking. Hold on, I had it in front of me. Oh, Did the you... yeah, the number the number nine point guard in the class of twenty twenty one, and he went to UConn, didn't play, entered the portal, and here we are. I was pulling some levers and ropes in the background there for a second, so I apologize. Uh, did you give a position? Guard? Forward? Yeah, point guard. Okay. Point guard. All right. Yep. And that's obvious that's another need for the Nittany Lions, as as you and, and Native pointed out, right? That they're still looking for that veteran presence to take some of the pressure off some of their young talent from this class, correct? Well, this one's a little bit interesting because it's kind of outside the mold um, mm-hmm. because yep. he's he, he tra- he's transferred after, after his freshman year here. So... He's, he's not a veteran. He played, I think, 46 minutes total at UConn last okay. year. Um, so f- for me, this is a little bit interesting. I, I imagine Nate will feel the same way because it's kind of like outside of what they've typically tried to do. Um, yeah, but, you know, obviously he's talented, and I think he, he's the kind of guy that if you can get him on campus, you do it, um, no matter if it really fits with your mission. I think they're they're figuring it out too, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, that's that's part of the deal is this is a new staff with a new coach, and they're, yes, I think that there is a framework they'd like to work within, but at the same time, as Dave just mentioned, it, if opportunities present themselves, I don't think that they're going to preclude themselves, uh, you know, from trying to take advantage of those. So that there is some news that uh, Neil Quinn, I'm sure you saw Dave, like the mm-hmm. Lafayette forward that. They were after uh, landed on Richmond, I believe. So still, they still need a, a forward. Has to happen. And I, you know, I know this is kind of a dumb question, but likelihood, like, what is the what is the situation in the portal? Because for a lot, I think a lot of people with their mindset of the portal, the basketball season's been over for months for Penn State. The tournament just wrapped up. So, like, what is the status of the portal right now? And what sort of talent is available right now, Dave? I think some guys are starting to make decisions and okay. narrow it down. It's we're yeah. not like, oh my god, they've missed on fifteen people. Like we're nowhere close there. Um, but yeah, um, next few weeks I think will be key. Um, we'll, we'll see who they get on campus and and whether they can you know lock some of these guys down. But uh, you know, it's definitely not like panic stations here. Like, when would be I, the time to panic? Because I know I need to build that in. <laughs> I need to build that in later. So when is that time? It, if they don't have a forward in a in a month and a half, I think it's fair it's fair to have some concerns. But even even then, like I feel like Greg Lee was pretty late into the summer, Nate. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you can make things happen. It's it's okay. The sky isn't falling. I know there really aren't that many people when it comes to Penn State basketball who tend to get that riled up over these <laughs> things. But, um, everything's fine. No panic. Deep breaths. We're going to be okay. We are going to be Jaylen okay. Jalen Pickett's back. He's good. Yay. Any last thoughts, guys? Uh, I, I know we, we gave basketball just a quick segment, but any other, any other last thoughts as we uh, wrap up the show here? Uh, Dave? No. The weather is nice. It's going to be nice yeah. out. I'm that excited. Was, that was a, a strong finish. We landed that plane with no bumps. <laughs> Football. We got football. <laughs> two more weeks of football. I'm I'm excited for two up. more weeks of football. Absolutely. 
and as a shameless self-promotion coming up today on the YouTube channel, T. Frank's Film Room on Marcus Stokes, the three-star quarterback from Florida, and the BWI Daily Edition where we take a look at Manny Diaz's def defense as we got a little more information about it last week or so when it comes to what he's going to be bringing to the Nittany Lions. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe here on YouTube. Don't miss anything from Penn State Spring Football with Blue White Illustrated. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.